First, it was a draw. The election is on a knife edge. Then the ruling party inched ahead one vote. A new twist in Samoa's general election has seen the head of state elect a new female MP to parliament. But the result is still anyone's guess. Then yesterday, the only independent makes his decision and swings the balance back. That leaves the country's two main parties deadlocked in terms of representation. In yet another development, the newcomers have now challenged the appointment of another woman MP and they've gone to the Supreme Court over an opposition MP who has a serious criminal conviction. So, nearly two weeks after they voted, Samoans still don't know if their leader of 22 years will be ousted by his former deputy. People are so shocked. Uh, people are asking so many questions. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on the details, Samoa's cliffhanger election between the established Human Rights Protection Party and Challenges Fast, which translates as faith in one true God. The result, as it stands already, is a massive slap on the face of the HRPP because they expect it to come back with 42 members. That's Kenny Lesser, political journalist in Samoa. During the past year, people have really found their voices and wanted change and had, were very vocal about it, which is something I hadn't, I hadn't heard in a, in a long time since I was involved in covering elections in this country. We'll hear more from Lesa about what the vote means for him as a journalist. But first, Dr Damon Salesa, Auckland University's pro-vice-chancellor Pacific, explains why it's being called a seismic shift. For the first time... In over 30 years, there's a truly competitive election in Samoa. This is the equivalent of still having the remnants of a Muldoon government in power. It's been that long that this party has been there and this Prime Minister has been in place since 1998. And so to have a party that didn't exist a year ago come onto the scene and then essentially produce a draw in the election is, is astonishing. Nobody really called it. I mean, you yeah, I called came, it. You called it. Okay, did you think it was going to be a draw? Um, well, I, I thought it would be a very close-run thing, and this is because it's not an MMP system in Samoa. It is first-past-the-post, and we remember from New Zealand politics, first-past-the-post can produce um, unexpected outcomes in a way that MMP votes don't. And also, this is the first time we've seen a typical campaign happen. That is a reduced number of candidates. We saw actual campaigning in a familiar way to us in New Zealand. We saw billboards, we saw celebrity endorsements, and above all, we actually saw like a robust manifesto of a political party. And once that we actually saw the arrival of a party machine in Samoa, then I think the game was live. You know, no one could have predicted, because we don't have polling um, in Samoa at the level of um, individual electorates. So you know, a lot of it was educated guesswork. The other thing that it might be worth making clear is that the election results show that actually the majority of votes cast were for the incumbent government by quite a large margin. Some reports as high as 20%. But in some constituencies, there were four candidates for the incumbent government. So a level of votes splitting that would not be contemplated in New Zealand. And right. That, that. Can you explain to me the voting? I mean, you say it's a first-past-the-post system, but what makes it different to New Zealand, for example? It is so vastly different. I mean, New Zealand kind of bequeathed the system, worked it out with Samoa when Samoa became independent in 1962, but actually the first election was in 1961, just before independence. And it was based on a Westminster parliamentary system, the idea that, you know, it would be a mini New Zealand. And what happened in Samoa is that 
the party system never emerged. You know, what we saw was that Samoans didn't behave like New Zealanders when it came to politics. They behaved like Samoans. So in New Zealand, you have a right-left distinction. There's never been a right-left distinction in Samoa, which meant that people were voting for different things. You voted for people you had a close connection to, who were your relatives, who came from your village, who went to your church. And for the last um, 30-odd years, the the current prime minister has really been the kingmaker. Mm. (laughs) And he could sway local elections. Um, He could influence the candidates and everyone wanted to be on his sunny side because otherwise you weren't going to be in government. They were once allies but are now political rivals. Prime Minister Tuialepa is up against Fiamie Neome Mata'afa who quit as Deputy Prime Minister last year. Shall we look at the personalities? Because, as you say, the current Prime Minister is actually the third longest serving Prime Minister in the world. He's, he's had that job for 22 years. Yes. And his party has actually ruled for nearly 40 years. Yeah, no, it's astonishing. Yeah, um, and, you know, he, has, he is a, a true political force. I've said before, he's really the defining character of, um, in many ways, Samoa's post-independence history because so much of the big changes have happened under his watch. Most of the things he's wanted to happen, happen. And some of them are extraordinary things. I mean, he moved Samoa across the other side of the date line. The immediate uh, benefit would be to our um, uh, tourist industry with the removal of the confusion in the different time uh, zones. He changed the side of the road that Samoans drive on. Samoa is a predominantly Christian country and in churches around the nation they're praying for a safe day on the roads. To take us through this moment of our life so we can be able to survive, we can be able to continue to wake up next week and next month we are okay. The Samoan government has made the decision to switch from driving on the right-hand side of the road to the left, mainly for economic reasons. It says the change will allow friends and family living in New Zealand and Australia to send smaller, cheaper used cars home. These things that from a distance look bizarre. Why would you do that? I don't know of any other country in the world where the, the leadership is so powerful that they could go through this. He has been very calculating about who his kind of successors are. So, you know, he's very astute. He's, you know, he is an economist. Mm. And so some of these, you know, the kind of development things he's been interested in, he's gotten across the line. And some of them were things that um, are revolutionary. So he passed about 10 years ago a piece of legislation around the way land was registered in Samoa, which was very controversial and essentially allowed for kinds of privatisation of land that was one of the reasons that Samoans had opposed Um, New Zealand colonialism. But then in the last 12 months, he also passed these three constitutional changes. Changes to the judiciary affecting customary land rights and the rights of chiefs or matais and their families. Which lie as the origin point of Fiamir leaving his party, leaving the role as Deputy Prime Minister and the foundation of FAST. We felt that we had a groundswell Uh, We felt that we could be competitive uh, with the HRPP. Um, And although I said it was going to be close, I I mean, you couldn't get any closer than it is the way it stands. So she was the the Deputy Prime Minister. She broke away from HRPP. She's obviously in a political family. Her father was the first post-independence leader. Well, he was 
pre-independence. So he became prime minister in 1961 and Samoa became independent in 1962. Her mother as well was very well known and for a long time was a high commissioner, Samoan high commissioner to New Zealand. She is someone who clearly is as capable as the prime minister. Fiambi has already been a trailblazer. She was the first female cabinet minister. She was the first female deputy prime minister. She's been involved on the regional scene and the national scene for decades now. People are very well aware that she is a truly viable alternative to prime minister. Then comes the Winston Peters of the Samoa elections. Independent Tuala Ponifacio, who holds one seat and potentially the balance of power. Well, that's what everyone thought. On Tuesday night, Samoa had 51 seats. HRPP and FAST each had 25 seats. And the independent, Pornifacio, was seen as the king or queenmaker. Until this. There's been another twist in Samoa's general election, the result of which still hangs in the balance. The new party, FAST, got the same number of seats, 25, as HRPP, which has been in power since 1982. But last night, the Office of the Electoral Commissioner announced that HRPP member Ali Malemanu Alofa Tuao would enter Parliament to make up the female number required by law. That's right, a new female MP and an extra seat, giving the ruling party a one-seat majority, 26 to 25. But the nail-biter still wasn't over, because the independent Tuala Ponifacio had to decide... Yesterday morning, he chose fast. The result, 26 to 26, a hung parliament. But there's more. This is such a a new situation for Samoa, which um, often sees post-election challenges. You know, they're unusual in many Western democracies. They're very common in Samoa for people to file petitions challenging the behaviour of a candidate or the way they conducted their campaign. Where do these challenges come from? They come from people accusing opposing candidates of normally the two the two legal terms are treating so giving people things um, in order to sway their vote or bribery so what is considered to be generosity and what is considered to be corruption obviously paying someone and expecting them to vote for you and making that clear is bribery buying things for people <laughs> and the expectation they would vote for you without specifying it as treating. But as someone coming to your house and you putting on a meal and letting them take away food, which is standard Samoan behaviour, mm. that would be on the very clearly customary side. Mm. What would they yeah. be buying people, though? Typically what, you, what you'd see is things like uh, food, clothing and, and cloth, not just food that you've eaten, but, you know, what in Samoa they call busapusa, a box of corned beef, those sorts of things. But, uh, you know, there's certain kinds of foods that have a cultural value. Mm. Another very customary thing to do in Samoa is to give people money, to acknowledge the work they've done and their mana and their mamalu, their, their kind of power and their dignity. And so are you saying that actually a, a government could be formed and then the court could decide... This, you know, we've got to undo the whole thing. Oh, they won't be deciding to undo the whole thing. It'll be a, on a constituency or a, a particular election basis. We'll know shortly if if those are going to go ahead and how far they get. Um, many of them won't get to a courtroom. Are there a lot of these petitions? There's not a lot. We might see a handful, you know, and particularly because some of the people who lost their seats are influential people in mm-hmm. Samoa. I don't think they're 
they're going to just walk away. And also, on top of being influential people, they're actually quite small margins. So I said, we've already seen one instance of what they call double counts. So 39 votes within an election, uh, a particular constituency. And that was because on top of all this, this was the first time that Samoa had advanced voting. So still no result, but already this is a historic election. This will be by far and away the strongest opposition Samoa's ever seen. I mean, it'll be real opposition looking to you know, pick holes in the government, things that haven't happened in Samoa and has really been to Samoa's detriment. You know, it's really only the press in Samoa in the last 40 years that have been any kind of independent, critical voice that has spoken for the people. Well, one of those journalists is Kenny Lesser. People are feeling a little bit nervous. Uh, I mean, there's some excitement. There's uh, a lot of nervous people. And yeah, so it's, it's very interesting times in Samoa. What are they nervous about? There is the possibility of uh, a new a new government coming into power. As you can imagine, uh, people on the HRPP side are a bit nervous about that. Also, at the same time, I can tell you from a lot of people that are looking for change, they are nervous because they actually want fast to come in. Families haven't necessarily voted the same way. So has this caused any kind of tension within families? Look, there, there, there will always be tensions in families when it comes to the elections, especially in Samoa, because, you know, we are a small country. And quite often you have to vote for your uncle or your auntie. But uh, that said, you know, uh, the dynamics in these elections are, are, are a bit different. Uh, I think if there were rifts within families before and during previous elections, they'll be a bit more obvious now. Um, and it, especially now, you know, the, with the possibility of a new government coming in. Uh, during previous elections, it wasn't even a matter of who was going to come back. It was a matter of how, how powerful the HRPP will return. Except this time around is a bit different. And of course, you know, uh, Samoa being a small country, you know, you, you're bound to, you know, split some families. But what I can tell you is that people are a bit more um, understanding, a bit more bold in terms of the voting process. I think in some families, people are not making a secret about who they voted for and why. During the past year, people have really found their voices and you know, they're certainly not afraid to, to say. I mean, I can tell you from what I heard on the streets before uh, the elections this time around that people who wanted change have, had, were very vocal about it, which is something I hadn't, I hadn't heard in a in long time since I was involved in covering elections in this country. Why is that, Kenny? Why are people feeling more bold? Put it this way, uh, I think we've had a, a government that's in, been in power for 40 years and while they've done some um, great things... I think people just, you know, finally have had enough. They've done some very unpopular things as well. I think people, you know, have finally just woken up and said enough is enough. What's been most unpopular about what this government has done? I think you've got to look back at the, you know, the LTC bills. They've brought in laws now that interfere with the judiciary. Uh, Before that, you know, they decided to tax the church ministers, which... You know, the church in Samoa is a massive pillar of society. But I think the last straw was really the measles crisis last year, which is common knowledge that while they said 83 people have died, we've since found out that more than 100 people have died and there was no commission of inquiry whatsoever. Plus, the way the Samoan people overseas have been treated by this government and the way they talk down on them and, you know, disrespect their contribution to uh, the Samoan community here. I think people have, like I said, finally had enough. What do people want from this new government? 
I think the first thing that people want from this new government is to, is, is to restore that trust, you know, the respect, the avafatafata, we call it in Samoa, the faalualo. Uh, something that's really, really absent and really missing and has been missing from the HRPP government during the past few years. And I think in terms of policies, they will be looking at, the, you know, these LTC bills, the law to tax the church ministers. They will be looking at uh, a way to, you know, have a commission of inquiry into the measles crisis. But with it being split down the middle, how much power is a, is a government going to have to make changes or turn things around? Look, they are not going to have a lot of power, I can tell you that, in terms of numbers. But I think it's very, very important that when we're talking about this, we've got to go back about, you know, two months ago. Nobody ever imagined that this will happen in Samoa. So I think, if anything, what has happened here is, is whether we have a new government or we have an, not a new government, the most important thing is the fact that it has been proven that people have the power to make changes, and I think that that can only be good for Samoa in terms of the the, the checks and balances that have been that have been missing for such a long time, including a solid opposition. So in terms of government, I mean, it's, it's going to be very unstable in terms of numbers, because like the, what's interesting is that even if we have a government by the end of the week, now we haven't even started talking about the court petitions. Once those come in and it could swing either way, we could have another government in a month's time when the decisions come out. So. In terms of numbers, it's very, very difficult to say at this stage what, how much power this the, a new government or you know an old government will continue to have. But what is exciting is the fact that you know there will be change, and already change is happening. Say I'm the the, the, the prime minister who has been the prime minister for the last 22 years. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and, and realize that look, I cannot just continue to say some of the things I've been saying. I cannot continue to do some of the things that I've been doing. And not expect, you know, uh, consequences because clearly this is, you know, the result as it stands already is is, is a mess is a massive uh, slap on the face of the HRPP because they expected to come back with 42, 42 members. Can I ask you, as a journalist, what you're hoping from it because it hasn't been easy for you, has it? Oh, absolutely. Long before there was an opposition party, you know, the, the Samoa Observer newspaper, who, which had been working for, uh, had been, you know, uh, termed the unofficial opposition party. Well, it, was, it wasn't a term that we were comfortable with. But, you know, in the absence of anyone who was asking questions, the Samoa Observer had been asking all the questions. I mean, if you look at the history, the, 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 the amount of abuse, the amount of lawsuits against the Samoa Observer had been. So this, this, this means a lot. But for me as, as a journalist, what, what I really, really want is to strengthen democracy. I want to, to strengthen the ability of journalists and the media to be able to ask those, those questions and get those answers. Because from a journalist perspective, a lot of the answers, actually, they, they didn't give any answers. They were very, they talk about transparency and accountability and good governance. But, you know, what they were doing was anything there's a real challenge as you try and deal with all these post-COVID problems, which are much deeper for Samoa than they are for New Zealand. There's no ability to borrow and spend like New Zealand has because that would just produce indebtedness because the economy is so much smaller. And one of the other things that made this incumbent Prime Minister so unpopular was the way he dealt with measles, which led to this enormous problem and a loss of social license around vaccines. Mm. So you're also going to have to deal with vaccinating a population that has concerns about vaccine. And then if the government does change, it will be the first time the public service has ever had a new government 
in any of their careers. No one knows how to do a handover. So what is the feeling? I mean, is it optimism? Is it, you know, trepidation? Well, I, know, I could tell you what the feeling is amongst Samoans in New Zealand, which is a huge amount of optimism. Both, even those who, who are supporting the incumbent government, I think, realise there's, there's some enormous benefit from having a genuine challenge in an election. One of the things that we're yet to figure out is what this means for New Zealand. <laughs> you know, New Zealand's had a good, but at times quite tense relationship with the incumbent Prime Minister. We don't know what Fia Mayor's priorities will be, and New Zealand's very concerned about the way Samoa will act in a world that is increasingly filled with actors that New Zealand's uncomfortable with, particularly China. And we're seeing the breakdown of regionalism at exactly this moment. You know, we're seeing Micronesian countries leave, Pacific Forum. Is there something that Samoan leadership can accomplish and do that that New Zealand can't. I think there very clearly is. But what, in what way do yeah. you mean? Well, Samoa's an authentic actor in the region, whereas New Zealand and Australia are often seen as claiming to be in the region but acting with with motivations and priorities very different to the region. And so because Fiermeer has very good relationships with so many of the other leaders. I mean, she's not an unknown entity. There is a real chance that she could be someone who helps repair some of these regional troubles. Mm. How influential have you and the rest of the Samoan community here in New Zealand been on what's going on in Samoa? Well, I guess one of the things that we know about this election too, on top of all those other campaign changes, this is... the first real social media election Samoa's seen. And that meant that Samoans overseas could be mobilised, both their sentiments, but more particularly their resources, their human resources and their money resources, to this election. And what we did see was, although FAST was actively campaigning as a party and had a huge launch here in Auckland, um, most of the fundraising was done in the old Samoan way for your village and your relatives. And so most Samoans were getting behind um, their particular candidates, but many families had a candidate on each side. Samoans overseas can't vote. No, they have to be present to vote, and Mm. that is something that has been signalled by FAST they might think about. Samoans overseas are the largest single contributor to the Samoan economy, so about a quarter of Samoans' GDP is money sent from overseas, and many Samoans are thinking, well, (laughs) shouldn't we have a say if we're kind of so central to the the fortunes of our wonderful country. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so others can find us too. Alexia Russell produced this episode. Adrian Holle engineered it. Thanks to Dr. Damon Salesa and Kenny Lesser. Tofa soi